In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Every third year, Advent 3 brings us to this splendid passage in Zephaniah 3, where Zephaniah writes of God singing in love over his people, having conquered all their enemies. You'll forgive me for thinking it's an especially sweet providence that brings us to this, this passage this year, because 2018 happens to mark the 200th anniversary of the composition of the great Christmas song, Silent Night. And as you, when you return this evening for our Christmas lessons and carols service, you will hear Ben Lane tell the story of how that song came about and hear our kids sing it Auf Deutsch in German. So that'll be kind of fun. Then um, this week also happened to be a week in which I found myself listening to a dramatization of Christmas Eve 1914 written by Charles Olivier and performed by Audible.com about how that song, Silent Night, brought a, an, a, a, a spontaneous truce between German and French and, and English soldiers on Christmas Eve 1914 in the midst of hostilities. They, soldiers from both sides gathered and they agreed to let each other bury their dead and they played soccer, or football as they call it, and sang Silent Night. It, it's, it's led me to consider once again the, the wonder and the power of music and song to God's plan for our redemption and, and to bring us hope. If you, if you go back in your minds to what you know about the book of Genesis, and the way that it tells the story from God's point of view of the origins of the human race. In Genesis chapter 4, we have God's account of how the great cultural gifts got distributed within the human family. The great cultural gifts emerge outside the line of promise, that is, in the line of Cain, urban planning. Cain names the first city after his son. Animal husbandry, Jubal is ancestor of all those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Manufacturing, Tubal Cain is forger of all implements of bronze and iron. And music making, Jubal is the ancestor of all who play the lyre and harp. There will be a quiz afterwards. I hope you wrote all that down. But it's, so urban planning, animal husbandry, manufacturing, music making, they all originate outside the line of promise. But it's in the line of promise through Seth the ancestor of Judah. And Judah happens, that name happens to mean praise. It's through Seth, ancestor of Judah, 
that music finds its meaning. Because it's through the children of Abraham that we learn to look for the city of God, the giver of, of an eternal life that cities named after our children could never provide. Here's the deal. When the world sings, it sings so beautifully. But in the end, Jubal's song is often such gibberish. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Figaro, Magnifico. Okay, who can name that tune? Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. When Judah sings, we hear yearnings for redemption even in Jubal's song. Judah, the children of Seth, the line of Abraham, we transform the gibberish of the world into hope for redemption. The Christian Bono, lead singer of U2, when they covered Jimi Hendrix's All Along the Watchtower, Bono instinctively ad-libs in the middle of the song, all I got is a red guitar three chords and the truth. All I got is a red guitar. The rest is up to you. Find the hope, even in Jubal's gibberish. So, what do I want to say today? Um, sometimes I would have you believe that I learned everything I need to know about people, life, ministry through Winnie the Pooh and Tigger too. Sometimes I would have you understand that I learned everything I need to know from dog training. Another Sunday it might be samurai sword training. Today, I want you to know that I've learned everything I need to know about myself, about other people, about life and ministry through singing in the choir. When you sing in a choir, you learn to follow the leader. Now, I, for whatever reason, throughout the course of my life, I've usually found myself to be either in whatever group, either the leader or close to the leader. And it's really helpful for me to be in a place where I'm not the leader and I have to obey and respond. So I'm so grateful for Ms. Clark back in junior high school and high school for my friend Brian Williams in Chapel Hill, and for my good friend, Canon Choir Master Ben Lane here. It's good for me to learn to be responsive and to be seen as being responsive. One of you, at least, told me, it was great to see you singing up there because you're not in charge. The Christian life is one in which you're not in charge. And one of the things that you learn in choir is, even like when you talk back and you banter and stuff because I can't help it, you're not in charge. It's somebody else's interpretation that you're going with. It's somebody else who decides how fast, how slow, what's going to be emphasized and what's not. So, choir, singing in the choir for me has been a great lesson in learning to follow the leader. Second, singing in the choir has taught me well, it's, it's about our voice, 
not about my voice. There's a whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. The magic is in the blend. Here's what Ignatius, back in the second century, Bishop of Smyrna, Bishop of Antioch said, so in your harmony of mind and heart, the song you sing is Jesus Christ. Every one of you should form a choir so that in harmony of sound and harmony of hearts and in unity, taking the note from God, you may sing with one voice through Jesus Christ to the Father. There's something magic that happens when voices blend. It's a physical thing, a resonance that happens in your chest, and you can't find it when your voice is sticking out above everybody else's. And I remember a conversation with Ms. Clark, seventh or eighth grade, where it was like, where she was communicating to me, now, Reggie, sometimes you're too high, sometimes you're too low, and sometimes you're too loud. So watch me and get cues from me, because the important thing to do is listen to what everybody else is doing and blend in with them so I don't hear your voice sticking out. So, and I learned to watch her face, because as she would lead, I would hear the, I would see the I'd see her go, mm, up, Reggie, or I go, or I'd see her go, mm, mm, or I might see her go, like, to the whole tenor section, but I know that she was talking to me less, and then sometimes bring it out. It, that's an important lesson for the Christian life. Whether you learn that in the choir or not, it's our voice that counts, not my voice. Third, so first, in choir, I learned to follow the leader. In choir, I learned that it's about our voice, not my voice. And third, in God's, in, uh, in God's choir, you learn to find hope. Even beauty in the ugliest of realities. Singing together, well, and you, that's where you find the glory too, the glorious pieces feel even more glorious when you're singing together. And, but it's the underside of life that takes on uh, a sweetness that you find only in fellowship with other voices. This first dawned on me in a choir when we were singing the crushing and devastating lines of Bach's Credo, and we were singing in Latin, but the translation is, and was crucified for us, died and was buried. An unlucky 13 times, the bass line descends inexorably down the scale, while the other parts are weaving their way through impossibly, painfully unpredictable lines. Where are we going? For weeks, our choir struggled with the parts and this feeling that the music made no sense. Then, a week before we had to sing it, the parts just came together. We were finally, we finally found ourselves inside the music. Its beauty overwhelmed us. And we just stopped in the middle, tearfully and silently pondering the wonder of God's letting his own son become sin for us, come under the crushing weight of our sins. 
all that we might become the very righteousness of God, all that so that we might have all the weight taken off of us, a beauty you could only see from inside the ugliness, and a sense that you could find only in the seeming incoherence of the music itself. So you may be a singer, you may not be a singer. You may aspire to be in a choir, you may used to be in a choir, maybe not. But just translate for yourself. It's a theme that's important in Scripture, and we're all called to, to find our way into its, its meaning. See, as part of God's choir, Zephaniah can warn Judah of coming judgment, of defeat, of destructions and captivity at the hand of the Babylonians, day of wrath, day of distress and anguish, prompting one of the most memorable uh, musical memes in the Christian world, Eris Day, day of wrath, day of destruction, and at the same time end his prophecy promising that God would come as a victorious warrior and sing over us in love. As part of God's choir, David, on the run from Saul in the wilderness, could sing, exalt yourself above the heavens, O God, and your glory over all the earth. My heart is firmly fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and make melody. As part of God's choir, Paul in prison could sing of the Christ who, though he was in the very form of God, chapter 2, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and took the form of a servant and died a criminal's death. Therefore, God highly exalted him. As far as we know, that's the first Christian song. And that's why at the end of his letter, Paul could do what he did with us today, say, rejoice. Whether you're in prison or whether you're out, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Now, take your prayers and your supplications and present them to God with thanksgiving. And then you know what will happen? It's what we say at the end of most of our services. He writes, the peace of God which passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God. And friends, it's been that way ever since. It's been from prison that some of the most powerful of writings from Christians have emerged, from Martin Luther King to Desmond Tutu to the Czech statesman Václav Havel. So whatever prison you find yourself in, wherever there is a sense of joy and ache and longing, turn to the songs of Scripture and let them help you find voice, a voice of hope. Put your hand in the hand. Let Jesus be your leader. Seek your place in, in his choir, whether that's literally or figuratively, the place that your voice fits and blends. And then, especially in the hard places, listen for his song and sing back his joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.